Welcome to another episode of the Data Engineering Show. I'm here with Eldad Farkash. Hey. I'm Boaz Farkash. And we have an awesome guest with us today, Krishna Naidu. Krishna, how are you? I'm great. Good to meet the Dada Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> so Krishna is joining us from Australia. Uh, there's quite a distance among us, but uh, mentally, there's no distance at all. <laughs> uh, so Krishna is a data engineer and a data architect at Canva. Um, for those who don't know Canva, even though all of you should, Canva is one of the hottest graphic design platforms out there, if not the hottest. Actually, quite interestingly, just recently, it was announced that uh, they raised a bunch of more capital and they are valued yeah. at a staggering somewhere between 16 and $19 billion dollars. Yeah. Amazing, amazing uh, tech story out of uh, Australia. Uh, numbers around 55 million active users, uh, $500 million in annual, re annual revenue. Really seems like Canva is unstoppable at this point. And it seems that even data engineers might be able to produce good-looking stuff uh, on Canva. <laughs> <laughs> even as the design illiterate people like data engineers can design beautiful things. Um, so, and Krishna has been at Canva for a little bit over two years. Uh, Just about two years, yep. Really helping the organization scale its data challenges. Krishna, you've been around, I think, 15 years in data, all in all, many years at IBM or so. Sure. Anything I've missed about introducing yourself and Canva? Uh, no, all good. Um, yeah, that was a perfect summary. Thank you. Okay, so thanks again so much for joining us today. Uh, let's get to it. So as you know, we will dive into the data story. So just to you know, give us a sense of how things look like at Canva with data, how much data do you guys deal with over there? Data volumes? Data volumes. Uh, so in our data warehouse at the moment, it's uh, sitting total, including raw and modeled, is about 400 TB. Uh, but so... Volumes per day is about um, two TB a day in terms of raw data encompassing everything. Sorry, what's that? All of those undo buttons, undo clicks, read, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. copy paste. <laughs> That's right. Our biggest data set, as you can imagine, like you said, is our event tracking table, which uh, captures a lot of our main analytics events. And how many people are there that actually deal with data across data engineering, analytics, and so forth? Well, that's a great question. The number is always changing. Uh, so uh, today we had a meeting of data engineers. There were 20 of us in the Zoom call. So I'd say about 20 data engineers. Data scientists, I would say around 20-ish uh, as well. Our biggest data specialty is uh, in analytics. And that one is... Uh, Hovering around 40 at the moment. Is well, that because of the Zoom maximum amount of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's... Uh, Zoom, I think, can handle quite a bit these days. But yeah, 40 data analysts, about 20 scientists and 20-odd uh, data engineers. And we're still hiring. So if you know people... I know you guys are hiring as well, but if, you're, if you know people... You're hiring gro well. globally, right? Globally, yeah. Yes. Globally, yeah. Eldad, are you looking uh, for a job? <laughs> 
Actually, yes. Uh, <laughs> I would love uh, uh, to, to data engineer the undo and redo events in this, this big table. <laughs> so, Krishna, tell us about the data stack. What does the data stack currently look like? So, yeah, I mean, uh, I think the Teams is a good segue. So I might start with uh, more of a segmentation of the data engine team. So the data engine team is made up of uh, data platforms, uh, a streaming team, and the data warehouse team. So we can start with the streaming team because that's where the data comes in from, our main data sources. So we have uh, the streaming team bringing in the data uh, and it comes into our data lake where it is uh, stored nicely in, um, in uh, Delta format, uh, which is our foundation. And our warehouse, uh, we're using uh, Snowflake. We load most of the data from there into, into the warehouse. Uh, and we also enrich this, all this data that I just spoke of is considered event first party data. We also enrich in the warehouse third party uh, data sets from the likes of Facebook, Google, et cetera, which don't make it to the lake. So the warehouse has a lot more richness, context around uh, the data and the um, usage of our users. By so the way, is that, that because of compliance? I think it's more of a technical reason. Uh, it was hard to wire in uh, things like uh, Facebook data uh, and Google Ads data into our lake because we use off-the-shelf tools like Fivetran and all that, uh, which integrate nicely with uh, Snowflake, our warehouse but not so nicely with, uh, say, Delta Lake, which I think is changing. Uh, but uh, when we did wire these things together, we found that a data engineer working on a Facebook connector for a month uh, and making the marketing people wait for that long and then having the face Facebook change the API, requiring another week's of work, uh, just was too much. And not only was it, time-consuming, but the data engineers in our team didn't even like doing that kind of work. And that allowed us actually to give control more to the analysts themselves. So they controlled the connectors they, because they're the ones who actually have the accounts and the relationships with Facebook, Google, and the ad platforms. So it made sense for them to have more ownership in ingesting that data as well. It's so, interesting yeah. that we actually now see the warehouses having richer data than the data lake. Which is yeah, that's crazy, cool it's, and scary uh, at the same time. <laughs> By the way, have you right. kind of it was Snowflake coming after uh, 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 the lake? Uh, have you like did you have the lake first and then Delta and then Snowflake, or was that everything in parallel? That's a good question. So <laughs> I was actually hired in Canva uh, to uh, revamp the data warehouse. So I joined the team under Jose, who is the data warehouse lead, and we worked together in the past, so we have a good relationship there. So we originally had the lake and a managed Hive Presto cluster. The thing was, uh, as Canva grew, we couldn't scale that uh, platform at all, uh, the data warehouse portion of it, uh, because um, it was just uh, coupled storage and compute. So we would have to go up quite a bit in order to gain the performance and storage that we needed. So really back then, I think this was 2018-ish. Uh, so we had that platform. We had a set of tools alongside that platform. 
Uh, and then two of us, Jose and myself, were doing the first steps of the migration to Snowflake. We did evaluate Snowflake and compared it with Redshift and Athena, but it wasn't really a contest. Uh, and especially since we had used these platforms before, it was more to check the boxes that we evaluated other platforms and not just went with our gut feel. Prior to the migration, you know, how was the pain felt by the business? Like, you know, what it was it was about? painful. Let me tell you. So for a period of about six months after I joined, I experienced some of the pain. And I was only there for about six months with the, with the legacy platform, and it was really painful. And rebuilding data sets was painful. Um, uh, the version of SQL that that platform had was quite old. Uh, things like we didn't have views, we didn't have many features that we would take for granted in uh, even an old data warehouse weren't available. Um, and I would also say this, uh, it really slowed down the contributions made by the analysts. The, if you look at a chart of the number of um, PRs and the number of commits to the data warehouse repo, it's pretty low for a long time. And then Snowflake comes in and we have a bunch of new contributors from across the business, not just data analysts being able to contribute. Uh, and it also opened up the hiring so we could actually hire more people because more work could be done. So that technical platform actually put a, a put a bottleneck, if you will, on the hiring as well. There was no point hiring more people because no, not more work could be done. So big, big difference, definitely. Nice. This is the perfect kind of uh, uh, description on, on, on the difference between operating a data lake and the data warehouse. Uh, the data warehouse, I mean, Snowflake data warehouse would be the perfect example with elasticity in this aggregated storage does so much. Uh, uh, you know, you can move work to people who are not kind of hardcore engineers. They can focus yeah. on value. Uh, we see it all over the place. It's amazing. And, and uh, you know, it's going to be interesting uh, to see how Delta versus Snowflake plays out uh, in the upcoming few years. But yes. Big disruption on its way. Krishna, what? So, you know, everything's in place. Things seem to have been modernized. You guys hired a bunch of people. Tell us a little yeah. bit about the, the use cases, uh, you know, built all, all over the platform with data. So the use cases that we're working on greatly increased. Like one of the first use cases that we did was um, marketing attribution. Uh, this was a big project. We recently had a celebration for it as well to celebrate that achievement. Um, it was, how did we celebrate? We went to an axe-throwing um, nice. uh, place. Axe-throwing. Oh, <laughs> so pizza yeah, and axe-throwing. Write, Write down, axe-throwing. <laughs> <laughs> so I did pretty well in the comp as well. Came second. It was uh, pretty, pretty, uh, I did consistently well. And then in the final matchup with the other the team, I totally bombed. So I just have no consistency, just whatever comes out at the end of my throw, that's what I get. <laughs> well, the poster was probably presto. Uh, you threw it. <laughs> so, no consistency. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was a big one um, and well received by, uh, of course, the marketing folks, but also well received in terms of how we could attribute, you know, uh, success to the spending that was being done. 
in uh, in marketing. So uh, I'm by no means I'm just a data engineer. I don't understand all the different uh, algorithms they use to associate revenue <laughs> to each um, each spend, but uh, they seem to be very happy. And you can also they can also run uh, models like if we change this variable, this is how this is how uh, uh, attribution would change, which we couldn't do before. Uh, it was just one fixed model, and it wouldn't even uh, uh, work uh, for different use cases or different scenarios that they wanted to want to try. So that was a big use case right after the migration. Other use cases that come to mind, uh, an operational use case just for, um, this is not so much a warehouse use case, but more of a, a thing that we did for our customer service team to be able to look at the events of users and troubleshoot for them. Um, again, wouldn't have been possible in the previous uh, system. And uh, yeah, we were able to get pretty good performance um, for, for our user, uh, customer service, sorry, team to look at uh, a big table, the big event table, and just retrieve all the events for a particular user. Um, yeah, and we're working on some exciting stuff now as well, which we can talk about. Let's do that. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure, okay. What are we working on now? Uh, so uh, this is more of uh, this particular feature my colleague is working on. Uh, it's really... Uh, we're really passionate about it. This is about um, uh, enhancing or improving our uh, analyst productivity. So right now and in the past, when an analyst developed a uh, change, they would uh, it would be a shared environment. So they would um, they would put new code in, new SQL in. They would run some models, but in a sense, they're competing with the other analysts who are also working in that environment, right? So it introduces challenges in terms of um, dependencies between the SQL models. Uh, and uh, in, in the odd cases, they might step on each other's toes, like they might be modifying the same table. No transactions, no versioning? <laughs> now, this is more of a, a developer efficiency kind of uh, use case. Which tools are they working with? They work with um, a, a source code control GitHub for their source code mm -hmm. control plus, uh, but whatever models they build, they have to run them on the warehouse, right? They have to run them in a dev environment or a, or a prod-like environment. The issue is that we have about 30 of them 30 analysts now, 30 or 40. So you can imagine there's 30 or 40 people working at any one time in the dev environment. Like $2 uh, times 30. Yeah. Uh, cost, cost is part of the issue, but not really the main one. The, cost, the main thing is we can't guarantee that their work is sandboxed. So this initiative is to make each change, each PR that they work on, Give them a new environment for that PR. So I'm working on a change to the uh, marketing attribution tables, for instance. Once I push my code to GitHub, I put in a GitHub comment, and it spawns a new environment for me for that PR, for that pull request. 
If I have another pull request, another, another environment. So we don't just have a dev staging prod. We have PR1456, PR1786. So then the workflow becomes, okay, I can test my changes. I can rebuild some data sets if I need to deploy it into production. Um, and we couldn't have imagined this. If you had asked me five years ago how you would do this, I would say, get out of here, <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, with uh, with cloning in Snowflake, particularly, this is possible. Uh, it's a metadata operation, as you know, uh, and we can clone production, give it to them, and then once it's done, destroy it. How is that all orchestrated, and how many people participate in building that uh, initiative? Okay, uh, it's all orchestrated using just um, our using GitHub and our build uh, pipeline, which is called BuildKite. Um, so pretty much all shell script, BuildKite, and GitHub. Um, that's how it's all glued together. And of course, SQL to do the clones and all that. Uh, and of course, uh, an important uh, feature or part of this is dbt. We use dbt, um, mm -hmm. which I'm excited that you guys are going to be supporting soon. So. Good stuff. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's how it's all put together. And uh, we use the fact that they're pushed. Uh, we use the events that come from GitHub to trigger things. And uh, if they want to refresh the clone, you know, they type in something in GitHub. So uh, once they type in that GitHub comment, it's like a special comment. It will trigger some trigger a clone and then give them the new environment for them to use. How many people worked on this? Just two of us, really. It was, the goal is owned by one person, and there's one support person. The support person is me, and uh, we have given the task to a person who newly joined the team, I think, uh, six-ish six months ago, and he loves it. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. I think, you know, decoupling storage and compute, uh, how that has revolutionized things, and the kind of yeah. things it allows us to do compared to, like you said, five years ago was not... You couldn't imagine that is unbelievable. Also see yeah. how data folk today essentially work more like software engineers in the past. I mean, if you talked about to data warehouse specialists years back, there was no, you know, CI, CD, Git. Mm. You know, the, the thinking was not. There was one them. version. And if you wanted more, it, it would be called dev stage. Dev stage. <laughs> and, then it, and it's because of data engineering and what we're doing with data. And teams work on the model. They change the schema. They want versioning. I think the next yeah. step, kind of the next evolution in data warehousing should not just be SQL and then managing resources with SQL. It's also managing yeah. versioning, branching, yes. committing directly embedded in the data warehouse. Uh, data Warehouse should connect to GitHub, use GitHub yes. just like it uses S3. That's kind of a natural component of the Data Warehouse. And I think, uh, yeah, Data Warehousing will shift uh, uh, towards data engineering and introduce new stuff. And, and what you're building now, kind of wiring, uh, is, is kind of uh, exactly what's, what this market needs. So amazing, amazing. Yeah. Uh, I think amazing it's, it's one of the uh, most exciting use cases or implementations. We're super excited about this kind of specific change where you see individuals owning the metadata, individuals uh, 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 expanding the metadata, playing with it, sharing it, and, and everything is intertwined and working. And you can go back and do redo just like a Canva 
Canvas. Yeah. When is it ready? Uh, we can... So this, um, so we work on seasons or quarters. So this will be ready at the end of this season, which is the end of um, what is it? Uh, end of uh, April. Yeah, end of April, mid mid May, let's say. And you have the time to go on uh, on data shows and podcasts. There is no pressure. There is no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is after hours, so all good. This is, um, you know, um, after hours I can do, uh, we can talk about um, what we do. We can, uh, I mean, our leadership team is quite passionate uh, about us expanding our horizons and uh, sharing our work as well. So this is all good. Yeah. Okay. Awesome stuff. Now let's change moods a little bit. Are you ready for uh, some blitz round questions? Blitz round questions. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Don't overthink, just answer. Let's see what you come up with. Uh, commercial or open source? Commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Batch or streaming? Streaming. Write your own SQL or use a drag and drop visualization tool? Write your own. Your own. Work from home or from the office? Ooh, from home, but on occasion from the office for the food. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite answer. Uh, AWS, GCP or Azure? AWS. <laughs> To DBT or not to DBT? DBT, definitely <laughs> to DBT. To Delta Lake or not to Delta Lake? Not to Delta Lake. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good, awesome. That's good. That's all the blitz. Visio or Canva? <laughs> <laughs> Canva for sure. We need more templates for um, engineering diagrams in Canva, but it'll get there. <laughs> Tell us though, you know, Delta Lake, uh, how long have you guys been using that? And when did you realize you should consider that? And how did that sort of come into play? That's a good question. So some of this, uh, some of these decisions were before my time. So we've been using uh, a lake, the lake concept of a lake for a while. Uh, at some point, I think, and don't quote me on this, this is about a year before I arrived. So that's uh, 2017. That's probably when they applied the, Delta OSS on the lake. Um, so yeah, uh, to be fair, we have a, a raw lake as well, where it's just JSON files, and then that is then they apply Delta OSS, apply that file format uh, to get benefits of that file format over the lake. Um, and then we have that legacy warehouse as well um, operating on the side. Both the warehouse and the um, a lake were consuming from the raw lake. Sorry, both the warehouse and the Delta Lake were consuming from the raw lake. We're, we're more changing slowly uh, to uh, Snowflake now consuming from the Delta Lake, just to not repeat some of the work that we're doing in the Delta Lake. The, the Delta Lake does some very good work in terms of applying schema, uh, removing a level of dedupes. We do more deduping in uh, Snowflake, but uh, yeah, we don't want to lose that effort that was expended on the lake. So we're more and more we're consuming from the Delta Lake and less from the raw lake. So that's that's a transition that we made. Uh, so the warehouse was always there or a remnant of some form of the warehouse was always there. Some form of the lake was always there. And I think this strategy will continue um, where we have the lake and a, and a warehouse. Um, data scientists tend to work in the lake, but that's changing as well. We have more and more data scientists coming on board because of the richness of the data. So 
I tell some of my teammates uh, why that is content is king. It doesn't really matter that uh, they can't do certain things, but they, can, they have a richness of data available in the warehouse that sometimes is lacking in the lake. And of course, for whatever reason, they might take this data out of the warehouse and do the things that they can't do in the warehouse. You know, you talked about the analytics team and, and, and that exciting project. But in general, tell us a little bit, you know, how do the data engineers and the uh, analytic team members sort of collaborate? How do you guys work together? Well, that's an excellent question. And um, we had a workshop lately to explore that even further because, uh, so I, let, let's, let's go with how we collaborate at the moment. So, or how we collaborated in the past. So in the past, it was very much that we were the gatekeepers of anything that went into the warehouse. So we would review every PR that came in. We would have days uh, of the week where we would go, okay, this is your day when you get our time to review our P review your PRs. <laughs> uh, and that was when uh, that was when pushing changes to the warehouse was much more engineering oriented. Uh, you had to worry about dependencies. You had to worry about performance. You have to worry about rebuilding tables. After the advent or after putting in Snowflake and DBT, you know, DBT took care of the dependencies between the models. So take the engineer out of the question there. Um, rebuilds of tables are easier with Snowflake as well because you can scale up and down for big tables as needed. So again, take some of the engineering effort out of there. And of course, on the flip side, we found that when we were doing reviews, we didn't have the business knowledge that the analysts had. So we weren't really providing good reviews on the logic of the SQL. So that, that was the model before. And then after the migration to Snowflake and DBT, we shifted where ownership not only in uh, logically, but also physically in the source code, we changed the code owners so that we never got pinged when something got changed. So then the analyst did peer reviews. Now what we're seeing is, yes, we have a bunch of analysts, we have a bunch of data engineers, but we want to extend the boundaries of who can make changes to the warehouse. Now we're thinking, we have, we have 40 analysts, but we have, I don't know, 400 backend engineers. Why aren't they empowered to make, the, make changes to the warehouse? When we built this platform in Snowflake, we were thinking just about ourselves. <laughs> we're thinking uh, about data engineers, data analysts, and data scientists. We were pretty much ignoring the rest of Canada. That's not very nice of so you. So their Krishna. job is basically do to not is, do not ignore others. Stop thinking about yourself. Come on. <laughs> exactly. So it was, and it wasn't even uh, a directed though. It was just by default. Oh, this is our data platform. This is for us. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now we're going to. So where we're going is, we would love backend engineers to contribute. Uh, we would love frontend engineers to contribute, but how can they? So, one of the gripes that they have is that you have this massive pipeline, like the. We have thousands of data sources coming in, uh, producing thousands of output tables. They make a change here. It doesn't, they don't, they don't like the smell of that. It doesn't smell very engineering oriented. They work in a microservice architecture. 
So in essence, we're trying to bring some of those principles in the data warehouse now. So that's the goal that I'm working on this uh, season. Uh, and it might take two seasons to get there, but uh, the concept of small applications in the data warehouse, which are owned by uh, teams, not necessarily backend engineers, but primarily, and they can make data sets out of their raw data sets uh, and they can choose to publish them or not. So they can have them in entirely for internal consumption. Or if they, if another person or another team wants it, they can publish it. So the action of publishing it implies that they will need to support it somehow as well, make sure that schema changes don't affect other models, et cetera. What uh, we didn't talk about, what would be idols are higher up in the stack? How do we dashboards, how are dashboards delivered to the business? Oh, sure. Good question. So uh, main um, uh, tool of use for quick querying and quick uh, charts is mode. But prepared dashboards and um, all that is done by Looker. And are, is, are analytics people completely self-sufficient on Looker or, you know, do the data? Yes, completely. Okay. Completely self-sufficient. Uh, no intervention from us. We don't even see LookML files. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we would love to, but we don't. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It sounds like something many other data engineers actually would envy. You guys not having to deal with that and having the analysts be completely self-sufficient there. You always see the boundaries change across companies. Always interesting mm -hmm. to hear. Okay. Now for uh, maybe our favorite part, tell us about an awesome win. For awesome win. Okay. Yeah. Um, we we really were after our migration. We were actually one of the things that we were lacking in our stack is just um, reliability. So changes get pushed in pipeline, transform pipeline breaks the next day. So one of the things that has improved this is a. Uh, running the entire transform pipeline uh, with limited data or no data to just verify that the change that is being merged into master actually uh, works. It doesn't have to be correct in the sense of business logic, but it works. Uh, so that drastically reduced the number of days that uh, you know, models were out of date, uh, models were skipped, so uh, from, a, uh, from a reliability perspective, I like that. Uh, and of course, that needs to be extended to run tests, data tests as well, uh, which, as you mentioned, we're bringing in more principles from engineering. So those can test more of the business logic as well and put a checkbox near on that front as well. So yeah, that's what comes to mind. Now... Let's turn in the other direction. Tell us about a glorious failure. So I think <laughs> I alluded to this before. I think the failure from our end was to not look at the broader organization when it comes to contributions to data features. I think we were too inwardly focused. And my, my boss, uh, he, made, uh, he made a joke when we were out. Uh, we have a forum called Inner Join. <laughs> Right, so the inner join is like the inner circle. So all the data people and a few people who dabble in data come to inner join. 
So I think that mindset is probably what sticks out as, as a failure or something that we could have done better. So instead of inner joint, what should have been outer joint or full outer joint, so we should have included more people, been able, uh, given control, given ownership of raw data sets to those folks who actually own it, rather than it falling on the laps of data analysts who happen to use it or data engineers who happen to load it into the warehouse, because that's what happens now. I load a data set, somehow I become the de facto owner of this billing data that I have very little knowledge of. At least the data analyst has a very good knowledge of the data set, but really that looking broader is what we didn't do when we migrated. And I think that's what we are working on improving. So that definitely needs to be improved as well. Yeah. I love, love, love this story because it's so easy to, you know, when asked about the failure to go to the technical stories and we chose product A versus product B and then we, mm. and you know, but the, the the people stuff, how we work together, how we enable data engineering is all about enabling at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, this is why the story is so so interesting. What would happen, Krishna, if let's say I find my way into your management and convince them to cut your team's budget in half? <laughs> what yeah. would happen uh, in the following you know year? So I think many of the core parts of the platform would still continue. What would happen to the? So you're talking about the data budget, right? The yes. uh, data yes. platform's budget. Ah, that's a really good question. So I actually don't know what would happen. <laughs> uh, I might not be there anymore at Canva. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, so it all depends on where we are uh, at the time. So if we manage to go to a world where, uh, you know, back-end engineers and front-end engineers are contributing to the data platform as well, I'm not even sure if that would be a feasible conversation. So what I'm trying to say is if the value, if we look outwards and value is being contributed to the platform and to the assets that are being consumed out of the platform, that conversation of cutting the budget by half hopefully will become more difficult. But if that still does happen, what I hope would happen is that uh, we we cut out the fat, so to say, in terms of what we need to hold in the warehouse uh, or cut out the fat in terms of find, uh, try to put a metric on what models in the warehouse and what processes in the warehouse are actually contributing to value and then get rid of the rest that are just historical remnants you know like from evolution <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, that's what i hope would happen but, but and by the way, this is exactly the difference between kind of a data engineering in a high in a growing company versus an it mindset where it's all about uh, balances and, and 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 checks um we've heard it a few times that if you look at how the data evolves in the company it's very similar to how the company itself evolves so mm -hmm. like Without operating data uh, at scale, without uh, uh, um, evolving how we w use data at scale, uh, we wouldn't be able to scale. That's mm. kind of a something we've heard uh, uh, quite a few times. 
and, uh, and, and I think, we, you know, it goes into Canva as well. Eventually, I think, uh, Boaz, it's a tricky question. So it's not about kind of what would happen if we would cut it by half. Uh, instead, what would happen if we would shut it down? What would happen if the data lake wouldn't exist? That's kind mm. of, I think, uh, what, and I think what would not is, happen if we shut, if, if we <laughs> cut it in half? Nobody, yeah. I mean, today, I think that's the thing, the data lake and the data warehouse and everything that's being done in data engineering is operational. You can't shut it down. That's true. A lot of, yeah, a lot of our product features, uh, our experiments, they run on the warehouse, uh, A-B testing. There's a lot of operational stuff that happens as well that we didn't even get a chance to talk about uh, so yeah, uh, that conversation, I think, will be much harder to say, oh, we have got to cut it by half. It'll be more like, okay, maybe we can just optimize and just focus on what value, uh, what is delivering value and deliver, uh, get rid of the other stuff. Because I'm sure we can optimize. There's always stuff that we can. Um, but yeah, cutting it by half is a tall order. <laughs> you, yeah, you wait for IPO and uh, you wait. wait. <laughs> <laughs> so data engineering... Uh, unlike what you might think, our dear listeners, it's not just fun and glory. Krishna, what are the more annoying things you hate about the job and, and the daily stuff that we have to deal with as, as data people? So I think uh, schema change. <laughs> is don't change is, the schema ever. Never. Yeah, don't never. ever change the schema. <laughs> you hear that? Uh, that's um, something that uh, I guess it's, it's, it's one of the technically annoying things that... Uh, it's not annoying in the sense that I'm, it's not that I don't want it to happen, but it's just annoying that it, it, um, the effects are so, um, it pushes all the way downstream to the um, models of uh, the business uses. And some of those uh, tables are quite large <laughs> if you want to fix them. And I haven't seen a good solution where, you know, uh, the change that you do downstream is proportional to the small schema change that is happening um, upstream. So a small change upstream in the raw layer results in the whole table or whole fact table being rebuilt or something like that. Uh, and that to me takes a lot of our time as well. Um, we have some tooling around it. So day to day that uh, I hate it when a uh, when a request like this comes up, we need to build, rebuild the fact, uh, yeah, the event table or something like that. Uh, so I think we just coined a new term, the data butterfly effect, a small yeah. change <laughs> upstream, disaster <laughs> downstream. Just <laughs> a resize ends up as a big mess. Yeah, rebuilding fact tables. That's a, that's a big thing. Uh, and, and unfortunately, said say that people do that very often, more often than they should. Uh, yeah. Elasticity makes it less painful, yet yeah. don't want to rebuild back tables. They're, they shouldn't be rebuilt. Uh, definitely frustrating. <laughs> but they can't help it. I mean, this is, you know, it happens, it's annoying. Yeah. This is why scheme on read, scheme on write, semi-structured, JSON. How should I manage my metadata? How should I manage yeah. my metadata changes? It's a never-ending story. It will never end. It will flip between sides, uh, I guess, forever. <laughs> Krishna, any advice for young data engineers out there? For the younger, Learn SQL. Learn SQL. <laughs> this is huge, by the way. This is huge. Yeah. This is kind of like we were taught that as data engineers, we don't need to write SQL. We go yeah. below the SQL. We know how things work behind the scenes. We wire stuff. We do stuff. No, uh, SQL is, is kind of the, the language for data 
and SQL will evolve to support everything in it. So definitely a perfect statement. SQL is the essence of life, people. <laughs> as soon as you can. Um, yeah. No, it's interesting. Parents nowadays, they all want you know have these uh, products. Teach your uh, kids how to code and stuff like that. Now we should we should learn do something. how to join. Yeah. We should learn how to join more. Teach your kids how to, how to SQL, yeah. not how, how to, to SQL. Code. It's quite relevant to life, you know. SQL is about relationships, putting, integrating things. Italy. Nice. I, I love it. Uh... SQL is about relationships. Any tech companies or, or leaders in the data space or outside of it that you recommend people will follow that have inspired you? So I, I'm passionate about streaming solutions. Um, there was one particular um, uh, talk that I listened to, I'm not sure on a podcast, but uh, the talk was about uh, a product called Red Panda. It's very obscure, but... You know, I've spent a lot of time uh, trying to get better at Kafka and all that, and I've gotten to a stage where I can use it. And then I stumbled upon this platform um, and this product. Uh, and what gets me is the ease of use uh, of this. Uh, basically, it allows you to stream data uh, with, with guaranteed delivery, which Kafka doesn't quite do unless you change configs. So I guess... Any, any, any product that makes it easy to use for end users is what I gravitate towards. Um, and this particular one is a recent one in my memory because I just played around with it last week. But, you know, things like DBT makes dependencies a non-issue. Things like Snowflake makes scale a non-issue. So uh, any product that I see where they are really breaking down the differences between uh, analytics and engineering and combining those two things to form this new profession, uh, I admire. Also, which product and, again was that for Kafka? Uh, I think it was uh, Red Panda was, oh, was the name it. of the product. Okay. Uh, and yeah. the founder was very um, eloquent and uh, he rewrote the whole thing in like two weeks or something. So from a Java code base, he took it to C++. So it's very, very performant. Nice. Yeah, that you really see, inspired I, I, me. I wish you were uh, an eloquent founder. Yes, you, I, could, I, you could be more eloquent. I, I agree. I do agree. Uh, Krishna, thank you so, so much. This was awesome. Any final last words? No, I'm looking forward to hearing more about your uh, product. I want to so be inspired and uh, I want to bring performance to, you know, fast, insanely fast data analytics. I want, I want to <laughs> see that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, thank so I'm, you. I'm king. So um, I'm, I'm in the next this year and the next year will be very eventful. I'm guessing. <laughs> thank Absolutely. you so much. Amazing session. We heard a lot of amazing insights today. We coined the term the data butterfly effect. We learned about yes. how to work with the analytics team, and we just heard about amazing initiatives in a company that does, that does so much with data. So thank you, Krishna. Uh, thank if you, you like this episode, click here, there, on the right, on the top, on the left, on the bottom, in front of you, behind you, on the subscribe buttons in their various forms and formats. Uh, we were a data engineering show. You're an amazing host, bud. I, I, I try to improve every time. Until next awesome. time. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.